everybody. This is Elizabeth Wallace with Pixelated Geek, and I'm here with my very good friend, Jada Scarborough. And in our continuing Oscar coverage, uh, which, gosh, we've got the Oscars in time this recording drops, it's going to be less than a week, right? Yeah, next Sunday. Wow. So we wanted to just fit in a few more of the Oscar-nominated movies. And so last night, we watched, uh, nominated for Best Picture, Spotlight. And what is your overall impression of the movie? I really felt like it was very well written, very well um, shot. Um, It was very near and dear to me because it's the newspaper industry, and we both work for a newspaper, so... I don't think I really realized how, even though it's very, just a lot of dialogue and just, you know, folks sitting around talking a lot, how really intense. And there were several moments that I was crying and, you know, it was just intense. Yeah, it was, it's, I believe it's up, one of the Oscars is up for editing, which I can totally see why. I mean, if you're not familiar with the movie, this is a story about how the Boston Globe back in 2001, I believe, broke the story of the Catholic Church the cover-up of priests molesting children, like, it was always kind of known that that's a thing that happens, um, but nobody had known the scope, and the Boston Globe actually uncovered it and broke the story. And there are no images in this movie of molestation going on. In case you're worried, you're not going to see any of that. Right. And uh, thank God. But despite that, they made it so intense with the editing and the dialogue and the descriptions of what was going on that it... Even though it's a story about a news story breaking, which you might think, you know, oh, great, that sounds <laughs> thrilling. It really was very exciting in a lot of places. Yeah, especially coming from, um, we're obviously in advertising in the, at the newspaper, but to see the news side of it, even though we're all in the same building, we don't ever see that. No, on, no. And to see that, how long it took them to do their investigative reporting, yeah. it was over a year. Yeah. and. You know, and I was just like, I do would not be able to do that job, but um, just the, uh, I don't know, but... Um, the knocking on doors, too. You yes. have the reporters going and talking to so so much legwork going on to go yeah, this. Yeah, um, it was just mesmerizing just to see how that whole process was. Yeah, yeah. I think the thing that the actors really portrayed uh, really well was when they would hear a comment from someone, be it a victim or attorney in the process or whatever and they were like just sitting there in stunned silence yeah yeah because they're like what i'm like you know like it you know like why has nobody known of this exactly exactly and it's just kind of like the way the media works in i'd say the united states but it works everywhere if you don't hear of a thing then it's like it never happened. And mm-hmm. I know that seems like an obvious statement, but all this is going on, but nobody had been reporting about it, so nobody knew. Uh, that You're right about the acting. I mean, the, the reaction shots from people were so neat. Brilliant actors. We've got Michael Keaton, Mark Ruffalo, who is up for Best Supporting Actor, and I can totally see that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Rachel McAdams. Yes, exactly. She's up for Supporting Actress. Yes. And you know what, though? I really think Stanley Tucci should have gotten a nod. In I really agree. Yeah. Um, he was magnificent. He was, and he's playing a guy that when you first meet him, you really don't like him. Mm-hmm. And then you realize what he's doing and what he specializes in, and it just, it breaks your heart. Mm-hmm. He's so, that was great. But like you said, we've both worked for newspapers for a long time. I started at a newspaper in North Carolina in 96. When did you start with the paper here in San Diego? Um, 2005. So that's I started with the paper here in San Diego in 2000, which is about a year before this movie starts. And we don't work in news. We are not journalists. We do podcasts and reviews, but we are not journalists. (laughs) 
but there were so many things that we would see, like the layout of the building and the way people act and the whole deadline process and everything. And there was one bit where Michael Keaton and Mark Ruffalo are walking through and we both like stopped breathing because they walk through the Boston, because this is all filmed at the Boston Globe. Correct, yeah. They walk through the press room and seeing those presses and seeing how it looks, it's a completely different newspaper in a whole other city. But <laughs> what was it that you said at one point? I was like, oh, I know the smell. Yes, exactly. exactly. Yeah. yeah, there's this particular feel. And it was so, you said a little bit later, you're like, this is so distracting. <laughs> Whatever they were saying as they were walking through the press room, we didn't hear it at all. Because like, oh, the presses are running. And, you know, because they don't, the Union Tribune presses have been shut down because everything is being printed out of L.A. now. Yeah. So it was like, it was neat. It was nostalgic. Like, I had to go over a lot of times back when I was an assistant to an area called Color Lab, which was over in the press room building. And it's like you said, you can feel the presses through your feet. Mm -hmm. You can you can hear this high-pitched kind of sound from it. So it was, <laughs> that was awesome. Yeah, was, I'm like, I have no idea what they just said. No, <laughs> not at all. I'm sure it was brilliant and very well acted and wonderfully written. But no, we we're like, the presses, the presses, oh my God. So yeah, it's... It's tough because this movie up is up against movies like The Revenant, which I haven't seen yet. And I will not see that movie. I can't handle that kind of yeah. things in movies. Yeah, it, what is it that uh, Leland said? It, it's uh, uh, two hours of Mother Nature screwing with Leonardo DiCaprio. And yeah. I'm like, yeah. Three hours. Is it three hours? Yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> I do want to watch it because it, it actually fills up a lot of my Oscar checklist if I watch that one. But I'm like, I don't know if I have time or energy. But um, it's up against that. It's up against Mad Max. Uh, it's up against The Martian, which that's a, that's a, I kind of think The Martian might get it. I don't know. For Best Picture? Yeah. It's, it was so well done, you know? I don't know. I'm still undecided. Of course, everybody that I always, or every picture that I always choose never wins, so I'm yeah. not going to say anything. I, I got it the year, the, the King's Speech, the year that one got it, I called that one. I was like, that's an amazing. That was a great movie. But it's also like the year that Shawshank Redemption was up for Best Oscar. It Did was, not win. It was up against Forrest Gump. And so in a yeah. lot of ways, I think the ones that are slightly more family-friendly tend to win. Mm. And that's like, eh, The Martian versus Mad Max. I kind of want Mad Max to get it. Leland doesn't. Leland. I agree really, with Leland. Yeah. I do not feel like that movie should have even been nominated. It's interesting. I Because like there was the year that the Avatar was nominated, and I totally was like, that's not a best picture. But Mad Max, I'm like... Yeah, there was something just so intense and fun about it, you know? I think, um, you know, special effects and all that stuff was great, but I don't think that it was right best right. picture worthy. Um, my little sister once said that they should make a whole other category for the Oscars called Best Blockbuster. And that oh, yeah. way, because, you know, these movies that maybe shouldn't get best picture they still made such a splash in pop culture mm -hmm. but i mentioned that to someone at one point and they're like oh great make the oscars even longer <laughs> <laughs> i could go over days i don't care <laughs> oh, i know i know but but spotlight back to spotlight <laughs> so let's talk about how i was not raised catholic i right. was raised baptist and right. i'm non-practicing baptist now right um let's talk about how the religion played into this because I really learned a lot just from watching this about um, Catholicism yes. and what kind of close, especially in um, this city, Boston, that yes. it was just like this like way of life yes. and 
you know, like you're not messing. You're going to see the church. I mean, they said that several times. They did. They did. They were like the idea. And in Boston, which has such, I mean, it's, uh, if I'm right, Boston, it's the Irish Catholics that are so strong because of the original Irish population. And my mom was raised Catholic and I was raised Episcopalian, which is often referred to as Catholic light. But, um, you know, I just, it's so interesting to watch the the feelings that people had about it that you know for a lot of people what happened to them with priests it didn't just you know destroy them and and have this huge weight put on them with this thing that they had to endure but it also it it took their religion away from them and so that was what was the the horror for a lot of people that they wouldn't be able to go back to this religion with what was going on and i want to say for right now I have nothing against the Catholic Church, yeah, and neither do you. We have something against the priests who did this and the people who participated in covering it up, right. of course. But, um, yeah, it's just, it's certainly... But you were reading about it after the movie came out and the Catholic Church's response to the Boston Globe's story. And what was kind of the summary of how they responded? Um, they were um, very accepting of how this whole movie came to light, and that it helped them um, really deal with the whole entire, I think, see the impact of what actually, how it did affect the community. And they actually did a private screening of it. Yes, yes. Um, Some members of the Catholic Church did a private screening of that, actually this month. It said February 2016. Yes, yes, which I think is, is... Like, and even, I believe the Catholic Church's response to the Boston Globe, like, there was, like, apparently over 200 stories they ended up doing on this. You know, the priests who were involved and the victims and all that kind of stuff. And I believe it didn't take too long for the Catholic Church to say, all right, this needed to happen. It is a problem. Yeah, it is. It it, it was just a, everybody knew that it was a problem, but nobody had wanted to deal with it. And Mm -hmm. bringing it out to light like this was just amazing. Well, just to start with, they thought that they had, they suspected. Yeah. Uh, just a few, like thirteen, thirteen, thirteen priests, priests in Boston. That in Boston that had, you know, were alleged they allegedly committed this act, and and then they um, spoke to the man on the phone, Richard. Oh yes, he was. Um, he worked in a treatment center, which is where they send these priests. You know, when the Catholic Church realizes what's happening, and they get them out of the parishes and put them in these treatment centers. And they were talking to a man who worked, and he studied the quote-unquote phenomenon of molestation by priests in the Catholic Church. For 30 years. Yes. That's what he devoted his career to. Yeah. And when he, he was so, I don't know the actor's name who was playing him, because we never saw him. We only heard him on the phone. Right. But he did such a great job of being a very clinical, but very passionate about the subject. And he was like, you guys you guys have no idea how widespread it is. And he let them know exactly how bad it was. I love that scene where um, Rachel McAdams, they're all on the phone, Mark Ruffalo, um, Michael Keaton, um, Rachel, and Rachel McAdams, they're all on the phone, and they have the speakerphone on, talking to Richard on the phone about, you know, we suspect that we have 13. Yeah. You know, it does, and Rachel McAdams is like, does that sound like a um, reasonable yeah. number? Yeah. And he was just like, no. And, you know, you're and they're all, like, dejected, and they think, well, we got it wrong. Yeah. And he's just like, no, that's a low number. Yeah. And, like, the dead silence between all of them, it was just <laughs> like, it was, cre- I mean, it gave me the, the yeah. chills. Yeah, and he even, like, there was this silence, then you hear his voice on the phone, hello, is anyone there? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And um, he was just like, no, it's more like 
six percent in my findings of my years of study it's more like six percent of the population of priests in boston um this was just the boston area that this gentleman worked yeah yeah and then they started trying to figure out they're like they started trying to figure out well who are these people and why do they go to the treatment center and then they literally they're looking things up in books and typing things into an excel spreadsheet because you know it's 2000 yes exactly (laughs) the internet is just really coming into its own at that point it hadn't quite caught yet so they figured out that when a priest was um on sick leave yes that they were going to the treatment centers exactly exactly they were like they found out all the code words in these books because there's books that the church publishes that show where certain priests are at certain times. Yeah, it's like they're stations. in this parish and this. And when it says sick leave or unassigned, or there were a whole bunch of like little catchwords, that was the code for their in this treatment center. Yeah, so literally they had piles of these books from the last whatever year, number yeah. of years, and they would go through with a ruler, highlight them, circle them, whatever, and then they would sit and read them out loud and and the one guy that knew how to use Excel. <laughs> yeah, seriously, they're all clustered around him. He's entering him in. You Into know? Excel. There's one person in every office. They so. came up with a number of 87, which was spot on to the number that yeah. was 6% yeah. of the population of priests in the area. Oh, and one of the reporters realizes he's going through this because they're doing all this work. I mean, they're having to bring their work home all the time. Thank God we work where we do. I most of the time don't have to bring my work home. But... He's like looking at these things and, you know, circling these addresses and he's got the addresses of the treatment centers and he looks and he starts, he, it's late at night and he runs out of his house and I think he's found the address of one of the priests. And I was like, oh no, he runs like two blocks down the road. You show him running and he stops in front of this house and he puts a note, he comes home and he puts a note on his refrigerator to his kids with a picture of the house that says, do not go to this house and don't talk to any of the men there. One of the treatment centers is in his neighborhood yeah. where they send these guys. And I'm like, oh, that was terrifying. It was just, it just blew me away. It was amazing. Yeah. But, so, yeah, powerful, powerful movie. I would I would love for it to get something. It needs to get something. It's just such a great story. Yeah, I can't imagine. And another thing that I, was very interesting to me was how Rachel, McAdam, uh, Rachel McAdams' character was scared of how her family would react mm-hmm. to her breaking the story. Yes. Because her her nana, her nana, yeah. was very, very much in the church, three times a week going to church. And, you know, and Rachel would, McAdams' character would actually go to church with her. Yeah. And she had to stop. She's like, I cannot go and sit in this church, you yeah. know. And so Mark Ruffalo was like, well, how's that going? She goes, my nana goes to church three times a week, you know. Yes. So she's like, I'm having to tell her three times a week. I can't go, you know. Yep, yep. So. <laughs> and they show a little of that reaction towards the end. Yeah. And her, but her grandmother was reading the story and, and didn't immediately, like, I expected her to do this, like, toss the newspaper in her face and stomp off. And I mean, she's just, she's reading it and she asked her to go get her a glass of water. I mean, obviously it's affecting her, but she is reading it. Mm-hmm. I like how Rachel McAdams and Mark Ruffalo had a scene together. And he's telling her about how he's the one who said that, you know, this feels like it took his religion away from him Mm because he always expected he would go back to the church. And her reactions are so great because she's focused on every word he says. She's listening to him as a friend, but she is still a reporter. And you can see that reporter like absorbing and showing the person that you're interviewing that you're you're listening to every word. It was a really subtle piece of acting right there. And I yeah, like well, and too, you know, I we know several reporters. Yeah. So mm-hmm. you're uh, to me. I mean, I'm I'm not like really close friends with any reporters that we work with, but to me, that would always be something that's always on. Yeah. So yeah. you don't ever. 
turn that off. No, no, but it's, um, yeah, it was nice. I mean, I'd love to research and see what kind of preparation they did. But, but man, we just, <laughs> there were some other things about the movie that, it's 2001, which doesn't seem like that far away until you realize that was 15 years ago, you know? And we would see, like, <laughs> we were pointing, oh, my God, they have our old phones, like these old <laughs> phones we used to use in the newspaper. We're like, I recognize those. And the cell phones are all that. And then there's this one time, it's an overhead view, and the camera pans down by a billboard. And what was the billboard for? <gasps> AOL Everywhere. Oh, it was so amazing. <laughs> I can just imagine the whole theater being like, ah, AOL. <laughs> and like, that was, like, the best way to date that movie that it they could possibly was. have done. It was great. It was awesome. But... But um, beautifully shot too. The cinematography was wonderful. It was seeing it was like a, in ways it was like a little love letter to Boston, you know, it showing really all was. these beautiful. There's so many churches everywhere, and so many tree lined streets, and the city, and the people, and it just it was. It, anybody from Boston really should see this movie because you're going to see everything that you recognize. I'm sure. Yeah, and I remember um, one of the quotes was about how Boston may be a big city, but it's a, still a small family. Yes, yeah. And that's, I really, everybody that you ever hear of from Boston, they're like, oh, you know, it's yeah. like, it never leaves them. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. Um, this I, this movie totally did a tribute to that as I, well. I'd like to, I really want to visit it. I mean, I've always been, mm-hmm. friends of mine who are from Boston have always told me that I really need to go visit it. And now, having seen it, I mean, so much history, my God. It's just, and beautiful and urban and just a very... Very neat, very neat, neat movie all around. Really good. Yeah, yeah I just think um, that those reporters were very brave to do this Extremely. because here they are, um, something that the Catholic Church did hide that was something very serious, but they were treating it as just like, oh, he's one of your uncles that curses too much, or, you know, right. some, he, they were like taking. We have to, we can't really like air our dirty laundry out for people, you know? Yeah, yeah exactly. exactly. Yeah. So um, they were brave. I mean, they could have, it could have been bad for them. They could have, you know, depending on, there are people that totally support the church. They yeah. could have, you know, so I'm not, I don't know, it could have, that could have gone on. I don't know. Yeah, but it also showed like for the newspaper itself, I mean, you know, it starts with a new editor, I guess, a managing editor coming in, mm-hmm. and he's trying to turn the paper around, but he really wants to do this story. But as we know from working in newspapers, you know, it, it's it's a tough industry to work in because it's being edged out by the Internet. So you have to keep in mind sometimes the stories you publish, will this lose us readers more than right. you want to be able to report the news? But there's always that pressure. Don't piss off the advertisers. Don't piss off the readers, you know. And it's, yeah, it's, it's a, a hard, hard Delicate industry. balance. It is, it is, you know. We've certainly seen working in advertising that there'll be a situation where like, oh, well, such and such a company isn't advertising with us anymore because we ran an expose in their company and now they're pissed. Yeah. Yeah, it happens. Also, too, the new managing editor, he was, you know, we've had this happen where people, new people come in and they're like, okay, what do you do? Yeah. You know, and and then he had him kind of sitting around, Michael Keaton, who is an editor. Yeah. And he's just like, well, I have a team of, you know, so and so many reporters and we are the spotlight team. And okay, so what do you what what do your article what do you do? What do you what stories do you do? Well, it depends. And you know, he's very vague about it because obviously he's defensive. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. It was, he should be. Yeah. And um, he was just like, so how long does it take you to you know write up a story? And we're talking about this is the spotlight team. This is not a team that is cranking out stories every no. day. They're not you know facing deadlines every day. They're investigative. So. Yeah. And he was just like, oh, you know, four to six months. And the look on the the, the new guy's face, he was like, 
excuse me? Yeah. <laughs> this was like, what? And immediately, because, you know, layoffs had already happened there. Yep. And you're, you're just like, holy crap, this is just something that's going to happen. And they're like, we're important, but uh, we have to take our time and make sure our facts are correct. Because this was obviously a very, you know, deep, deep yeah. story. You and know? that resonated with us, too, because if it's one thing that's consistent about working with newspapers for 20 years, I've found is that everything changes. And as soon as something changes, everybody's around the water cooler going, well, this new guy's coming in. I hear he laid off all these people, this old job. Are we going to keep our jobs? Are yeah. we going to do this? You know, so it's it's really... So I think that's one reason why last night we were like, oh my God, I feel like it, we, we had been hit by a bus. <laughs> exactly. Right. This was maybe a little too true to life for us. I don't know. But it was great. You know, shout out to all the reporters that we know, man. Your, your guys' job is hard. Very <laughs> really hard. Is. But, um, but yeah, good good movie. Highly recommend it. Man, you've got, as time of this recording drops, you've got a few more days where you can see it before the Oscars. Yeah, um, I actually bought it on iTunes. It was 15 bucks. I think it's four ninety nine to rent. I just bought it because I will watch it again. Yeah. Yeah, and it actually played here in San Diego yes. at the Independent theater landmark i love landmark yes and i didn't get a chance to see it no it's definitely worth the watch yeah. definitely worth the 14 15 bucks yeah well that'll wrap us up so make sure to check out pixelatedgeek.com we've got tons of podcasts tons of reviews uh jada's got articles i've got articles Catherine and i do a podcast called binary system uh we've got leland over on movie issues and leland and i and sometimes jada does lost in sci-fi podcast and then jordan and his team does pixel clicks podcast so uh we've got a little something for everybody out there but um we will uh talk to you guys later thanks for listening thanks guys